RadioInfluence.com. Welcome into a new episode of the MMA Report Podcast. I am Jason Floyd, and to my right, that is Daniel Galvani. If you be watching us here on video on YouTube, if you are watching on YouTube, really appreciate it if you hit that thumbs up, subscribe to the channel, hit that notification bell. We got content for you every week here on the MMA Report Podcast. Of course, if you're listening over on Apple, Spotify, wherever you get your podcasts, rate, review, we do appreciate that as well. Daniel, I feel like... At the end of the show last week, you said, hey, Jason, you know, man, we're, we're not going to meet for another seven days or so, so something crazy is going to happen. Well, no Shadamas over here, or you just know how the sport goes. Yeah, every single week, we get something crazy. We get something that gets the emotions going. Sometimes we get something sad. And by God, we have a whole lot to talk about that isn't even related to fighting right like we have great fight card coming up we had some fights last week that was pretty awesome uh but there are a bunch of stories outside of the events that are happening that are major uh major water cooler discussions jason i mean how many crazy things have happened in the past week i listed three things number one being the ufc statement on james krauss that was the topic of discussion last week i will tell you i had a friend text me on friday morning it was like Friday morning, Friday afternoon. He says, he goes, hey, is this tweet directed at you? And it was basically a, a saying, well, what what type of stories do you want the MMA media to write about James Krause? I'm like, I don't know. There's there's a ton of things that are, I don't know, topics of the story that are out there, not speculation. Of course, uh, you know, Aaron Bronster with, with TSN has done a great job covering the story from the Canadian side of it. As before the UFC statement, we had two providences that said, nope, no more betting on UFC. We know in New Jersey it happened. It's going to be interesting to see what happens next week in Las Vegas. Julian Marquez, who is a glory fighter, is on that UFC fight card. And we all know the statement by now about James Krause and everything going on with the UFC, which when that statement came out, my first thought was like, oh, man, what does the UFC know that we don't know yet? Because clearly, Daniel, they have to know something if they take that step. Absolutely. And that, to me, is the next point in this story. This story, we know the beginning and it kind of feels like we know the ending. We just don't know the middle. We don't know what actually happened with this story. And, uh, you know, that that's a juicy topic. And I'm looking forward to some journalist out there or content creator in the MA world kind of filling us in on what exactly happened. Because at this point, Jason, as we're speaking, there still is no facts of the matter. The only facts of the matter is the line changed dramatically. For Derek Minner, who is coached by James Krause, who is heavily involved in the gambling community. And then the result of, you know, two providences uh, not allowing bets on the UFC. Fighters associated with James Krause not being allowed to fight in the UFC. James Krause not allowed to be involved in the UFC. And, of course, Derek Minner being released by the UFC. So we know the beginning, we know the end. We just know know what the hell is in the meat of this sandwich. The part of the statement that stuck out to me that the UFC put out there is when it said this, and they put it in bold in their statement. UFC has since advised Krause and the respective managers working with impacted fighters that effective immediately fighters who choose to continue to be coached by Krause or who continue to train in his gym will not be permitted to participate in UFC events, pending the outcome of the aforementioned government investigation. Further, UFC has released Derek Minner from the organization. Now, look, Derek Minner lost three in a row. 
not really shocking they release them, but obviously we know, we know the story here. Now, the part where it says the UFC has since advised Kraus and respective managers. Now, when you look at the list of UFC fighters that are at glory, they have something very much in common. They're pretty much all represented by the same management company, that being Iridium Sports Management, which is run by Jason House. I would imagine that you're going to see those fighters go to certain gyms. Some of them may follow Grant Dawson down to American Top Team. Grant Dawson left Glory, I don't know, probably about six, eight months ago. Other gyms, I think you might see those fighters ultimately end at Fight Ready. They're in Arizona, Team Oyama in California. Uh, or Factory X Muay Thai in Colorado. Those would be the gyms that I would kind of put there. And But, of course, the, the, the big question is going to be where is Bram Moreno end up at? That's going to be time. I had someone um, someone jokingly said to me, said, uh, boy, you know, I'd really love to have, see James Krause do an interview. And he goes, oh, that's right. Probably the only interview he's doing is with the FBI. Yeah, and for him, he's just got to lawyer up because he is in some deep, deep water. Uh, it's a uh, man. It's crazy how James really was on the bell of the ball. Really had a lot of success in so many different ways as a coach with his YouTube channel. The Ariel Hawani interview he did really, I think, blew up his um, YouTube channel and got <laughs> eyeballs on his product. And things are going really good for James Krause, and now he is basically the shoeless Joe Jackson of mixed martial arts. But again, uh, a key point I need to stress here as we talk about this topic is present day. We still don't know anything. We still don't know what exactly transpired mm-hmm. by, you know, the, it seems very, it seems very, very unlikely as we speak, but there's a distinct possibility that maybe Krause did nothing wrong. It seems super unlikely, but if he did do nothing wrong, Holy moly, his reputation is in tatters, but in all likelihood, is something messed up happened. I would have loved to have been a fly in the wall when the UFC had their fire meeting before UFC Orlando, just to see if this story was brought up. Yeah, yeah, that would I mean, that, would, a, that would have been interesting to me. It's just, just surprising to me how many discussions must have happened in the UFC with the various athletic commissions. And it's surprising to me that obviously all these people know information that is not mm-hmm. out there in the public. And it's very shocking that so many people know these things, but it hasn't leaked out. And I, I just don't get that. I mean, maybe it's just there's a lack of number of MMA journalists. There's quite a few good ones, but maybe because our sport is much smaller than football, basketball, and baseball, and hockey, and soccer, or football. Maybe that's why it hasn't broken, but I just I find it hard to believe if this controversy happened in the sport of basketball that we would not already know what happened. Yeah, I mean it, it's just and you know Ariel brought this point up on, on a show on Monday, and and to me it, it was a great point that he brought up is this is probably not the we're not at the worst part of this story, and, and look and let me just say this, kudos to Ariel with what he did on Monday where. He just sat there and he broke down what the, what the facts that we know as we know it currently. I thought he did a tremendous job. You know, I, this was one of those stories. And I mean, me and you have been talking about this for, I don't know what, last month? Yeah, as soon as it happened, it's clear to me this was a major story. A yeah. major story that needs to be talked about. 
it, it's it's the biggest story to MMA. It, it it's and I'm just it, you know it's just one of those things of look I I think where the UFC was at last Friday was integrity. I, I think that's where we sit. Is I think when you saw two Canadian provinces says, "Hey, we're we're halting UFC betting." At that point, before the UFC statement came out, my, my thought was, okay, is there going to be a U.S. jurisdiction that comes out and says, you know what, for the time being, we're going to halt UFC wagering. And But, you know, and it, it's just, it, it's one of these stories that you want to kind of see how it goes on. I mean, to me, the biggest story is where where does Brand Moreno go? I mean, this guy's got a title fight in a month from now. What's who, Who's in his corner? Where is he training? Is he going... Is he going back to his old team? Is he maybe, you know, he has a house in Las Vegas. Maybe he's setting up a, a training camp in Las Vegas. Now, that to me is an interesting story. It'll also be interesting next week when there's media day for UFC Vegas 66, whether or not Julian Marquez is made available to the media. I thought about asking his management company if he wanted to be on the show. I said, I'm going to leave that alone. I'm going to leave that alone. Because, because like, look, you couldn't do an interview and not make that a focal point. Yeah. And I just wonder, really, what is he doing, right? How has he spent his time training? Because according to the letter of the law, it shouldn't be in that gym. I would, ima- I, that- I would imagine he he went back to Las Vegas. Because be, you, know, you remember, he was initially at Glory. Then he went to Vegas. I want to say... I'm trying to remember if he was at Extreme or Syndicate. I want to say maybe he was at Extreme Couture, maybe. And then he went back to Glory. But yeah, it's... And then I saw someone on MMA Reddit um, write a thread today that was a Lee Summit, Missouri resident and said, you know, man, I I feel bad for our community because we're going to lose all these fighters out of our community. And, you know, so so we'll see how that one plays out. Then... Uh, by the way, before we get into the, I guess, the massive story of the last eight days, I guess, outside James Krause, uh, let's send healing vibes out to Dustin Poirier. Uh, back, he was in the hospital with an infection, got out, went right back in, ended up having foot surgery. So let's send those healing vibes out to Dustin Poirier. Of course, him and Conor McGregor going at it. By the way, can we be realistic with our call-outs, please? RDA, you're not getting the Conor fight, man. <laughs> Like I, I like RDA, I get why you do it. But here here's the crazy thing. Those two guys were supposed to fight what? UFC 196? We're at UFC 282. Yeah. It's a lot like you were in college and there was this really, really good looking girl at the bar and she was into you. And you really thought you were gonna get lucky. I mean, this girl was Miss Texas. And uh, you go to the restroom and you come back and uh, and she's never there, and uh, it, it haunts you till till the, till you know the day you die. I mean, I, I went to work with this one guy at one of my old jobs who told me, "Yeah, dude, one time I met this one girl at a Texans game. I never talked to her, but I saw her in the stands." I'm like, "Dude, why are you still thinking about her?" <laughs> and that's kind of how I feel. That and that's kind of how I feel about RDA with Connor. The fight's not going to happen largely due to the fact that as good as RDA is, and damn, he looks really good against Brian Barberina, Dos Anjos isn't a major star, and Connor at this point will likely only take fights that equal lots and lots and lots of moolah on pay-per-view. I was driving around the other day, listening to, I forgot I was listening to MMA podcast, and you know they were kind of talking about this RDA call-out, and then kind of the conversation went to 
what's next for Connor? What is the the fight that makes the most sense? And of course, a lot of people bringing up Dustin Poirier. And then it came to me. I think I have the perfect fight for Connor. Who is it? It's at 170 pounds. Yes. Steven Wonderboy Thompson. Oh, man. That's a great fight. I mean, uh, off the heels of one of the best fights of the year, that's a, that's a fight that you know is going to play out on the feet. That's a fight that Connor has a real shot at winning, which is, I think, an important ingredient to this mm-hmm. Connor fight is to get W so then you can just shotgun him back to a damn championship fight. I think that's a great fight. I think that's a great fight. I mean, to me, honestly, like the Jorge Masvidal fight is just a, is one that I would love to see for sure. Hell, another one that you could rush if Patty the Batty wins. I think Patty Pimblin and Conor McGregor is a money fight. I mean, those two are just captivating personalities, and they're going to heat up. I mean, Patty obviously is just barely taking on Jared Gordon. He's he, he's probably three fights away from Conor's level, but. That also kind of feels like a fight I really want to see at 155. I mean, Patty does have some grappling, but he has really not good boxing defense. And I could see where Connor would, would piece him apart uh, on the feet. Yeah, Patty. I guess if you're going, you know, uh, you, know you, you know, you're talking about your buddy, you know, take, not taking a shot at the queen. Maybe if you're going to take the shot at the king, you better hope that king don't keep the receipts, bro. Holy cow. I almost said another word. I mean, holy, you know what? That yesterday, you send me the clip. You're like, hey, have you seen this Patty uh, clip? I go, what are you talking about? And then I see Jedi Goodman just clips up of Aaron Hawani responding to Patty Pimblet. And oh my, newsflash, Ariel keeps them receipts. Dude. I just think it's absolutely absurd. Uh, I'm appalled at the Nevada State Athletic Commission. You can't let somebody fight days after they just got knocked out because <laughs> Ariel Hawani, 10-6. Oh, my God. I mean, you know, I, I watched that clip from Patty and Dana, and it was so cringy, bro. It was so cringy. I mean, it was like. It was just wild. The people laughing in the background, Dana White saying the same old BS he's always said about Ariel. Mm -hmm. And it was just, you know, cringy. And then Ariel came out and literally every second of that clip, he just analyzed and pointed out where the lie was. And damn, this is a crazy sequence where Patty is a major star, but his reputation has been impacted over the last 24 hours by this particular event. He's someone who I think maybe 85% of the MMA community really liked, was rooting for. And now he becomes a more polarizing figure because he comes across as someone who was having a good time sucking up to his boss. And he came after Ariel, who was a polarizing figure in his own right. But Ariel came with the facts, my man. And just every single thing that Dana and Patty said there was was a lie. And to me, the only thing when I watched that clip, the only thing where I was like, oh, Patty has a good point about maybe being upset at Ariel is him saying that Ariel uh, 
was basically trying to get him not to do the Barstool interview and do his stuff. I'm like, oh, well, that's kind of messed up. But that wasn't true. That was a complete lie and fabrication. And honestly, that's a big pet peeve of mine. I hate people who make things up. I hate liars. In, in a world where fact and fiction is becoming blurry and blurrier because of bad actors who lie to the masses to convey their own reality, I hate those types of people. Well, I don't hate those types of people. I don't hate many people. I hate those types of actions. I like those people. I like Patty. I like Dana to some extent. But I hate those types of actions because it's not good to talk out of your butthole. Well, you know, one of the things that Ariel brought up that I already knew about, but I don't think a lot of people have talked about is Patty Pimlet's manager runs Cage Warriors, Graham uh, Boylan. And I had been told in the past that Cage Warriors had blocked fighters from signing with Bellator. Now, well, why would you, if you're Cage Warriors, why would you block a fighter from going for your promotion? One of the best, you know, shows in Europe to, you know, the number two, number three organization in the world. And, you know, so Ariel brought that up of like, hey, you're, you know, you tell me you don't got a conflict of interest, that you're a manager running a promotion and you're blocking fires from signing with Bellator in the PFL. I had heard that story before, but when Ariel brought that up, I said, "Ooh, I guess I'm not the only one that knows that story. You know, you don't really see that many people fight on fight cards that are aired on Fight Pass that don't go to the UFC. Mm -hmm. I, I'll give you a perfect example. Uh, I was interviewing uh, Justin Bassara, who fought uh, for the Unified title last uh, last week, and he fought out said, he goes, look, he goes, we know the UFC is coming to Canada at some point. I want to be on a promotion that's fighting on, on Fight Pass. Yeah, man. It's, it's very tricky, and honestly, it feels a little illegal. It feels a little illegal to 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 have that type of leverage over a person. Well, I mean, I, I think that if I'm if I'm a promoter, you know, me and you are running Floyd Galvan promotions, and, and we're running a show wherever, and we want to stream that show. UFC Fight Pass is is where I want to be, though. I mean, in terms of a platform that a majority of fight fans are likely to have. I don't even know who we would consider number two. That would be a realistic streaming platform for a regional promotion. Well, the number one place I would want to air my content is YouTube. I would okay. want to put my I agree. content on I agree YouTube with that. and then UFC Fight Pass. When it comes to mm -hmm. streaming services, without a doubt, UFC Fight Pass would be it. Actually, above UFC Fight Pass is ESPN+. Plus, but... You know, that's kind of a different ballpark. And, and yeah. ESPN Plus likely won't air regional MMA. I mean, ESPN Plus has a lot of content on there, but still. The hardcore mixed martial arts fan has the UFC Fight Pass subscription. That's where they expect the regional shows. That's where you're probably going to get the most eyeballs. I also think that if you're a fighter, you really need to embrace the approach of Kayla Harrison. Think about her manager, Ali. Mm -hmm. Very controversial figure. He, you know, can be very, very controlling. Kayla keeps him in line. Kayla has said, he works for me. Mm -hmm. If you're a fighter, your manager works for you. If you're a regional fighter and your manager is only kind of funneling you into just one mixed martial arts promotion... You need a different manager. 
look at the men and women who got paid big bucks a couple weeks ago at PFL. Yeah. Those people are making made more money in one night than a whole lot of fighters that are going to get signed to the UFC this next year. A whole lot of fighters. So if your manager is limiting your opportunities, you need a new manager. That's just goes without saying. But yeah, Patty, Dana, man, bad look, my guys, bad look, my guys. That's where like, if I'm Patty Pimblett, you know, I mean, like, obviously this has gone awfully horribly for him, but if I'm looking at him, I gotta be thinking like, you know, Hey, what's this mean for me? Is my manager giving me the best deal? I mean, like, look, like, and you know, Hey, Patty, if you can go out and get paid for interviews, man, good for you. I'll tell you this right now. Oh, by the way, when he's called Ariel a content creator, I'm like, of course he's a content creator. Ariel knows that. We're content creators. That's that's what podcasting is. Like, I'm like, is that like, am, like, is did, did you think like as you know people who do shows on MMA like that was going to be a burn to us? I know that's yeah. that's accurate. Like, I will sit there and say it is more accurate to describe me as a content creator than describe me as an MMA reporter or I, I would never call myself a journalist. I don't think I'm a journalist. Um, content creator to me is the best way to describe what I do. Yeah. I mean, I think you're a journalist for sure. You're not like an investigative reporter, but I would certainly say you're a journalist and, that being said, content creator is just like calling you a human being. It's a very vague term that, mm-hmm. you know, basically most people in the world are content creators. Hell, people on Facebook, on Instagram, on Twitter, people on OnlyFans, all content creators. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I, uh, I'm going to have major pushback on Patty trying to make it the norm to pay fighters for interviews. That's a bunch I, of BS. I'll, I'll tell you right now. If, you know... I, I, I work with a PR person that pretty much lines up majority of my interviews. If he came to me in tomorrow and said, Hey Jason, it's going to cost you X dollars. I am out of the interviewing fighter business. Yeah. I only got like a thousand dollars in my bank account. Well, I mean, I'm I mean gonna... like, look, like if you were, <laughs> if you were going to take that route, that's where, okay, well, we're not doing a standard interview. We're, we're, yes. we're, we're bringing in a film crew. I'm bringing in a, a, a television production staff and we're done doing something cool and unique. We ain't just doing a one-on-one interview. I mean, like, look, I am sure there are people that would pay interviews to get access to top UFC fighters. But if, for me, someone who interviews fighters weekly, like for instance, I interviewed Jonathan Pierce today, by the way, had a great line. I put the clip up on my, my Twitter feed for people who want to check it out. Full interview on, on Sunday's podcast is I'm asking him about, hey, you know, hey, are you watching the fires in your division? And I mentioned Bryce Mitchell and Erie Taporia. He goes, yeah, I'm watching. He goes, the beer drinking doesn't start till that fight ends. <laughs> I was awesome. like, dude, I just, I just started cracking up like, oh my God, that is an awesome line. I'm like, yeah, I feel you, bro. I feel you. I got to hear that interview, man. He, he looked real good against Darren Elkins and man, Darren Elkins. He, he, uh, he, he, he is a tough SOB the way he was bleeding and the way he continued to bring the fight, even though Jonathan Pierce was performing well, great fight. Looking forward to that interview on Sunday. I think that the other thing is people listen to podcasts. They listen to interviews. They don't want us to hold back when we talk to people. 
They want us to ask what's on our mind. They don't want us to hug their nuts. They want us to ask real questions and ask maybe some negative questions or maybe just questions that are uncomfortable for them, okay. right? That's what it, people listen to. It's not what the question is. It's how you ask the question. There is a way to ask a difficult question, but not come off difficult. And look, I found myself in this situation a couple weeks ago interviewing Miles Johns. I'm like, to my to the people that check out my content, because my theory is when you get done watching this show, you know how we feel about what's going on in MMA. I don't want you to walk away from the show thinking I didn't tell you how I feel. Because at the end of the day, I don't give a crap if I piss somebody off. I piss somebody off, whatever. It's not going to affect my life. But to me, it's about how you ask that question, how you bring it up. And, and there's ways to do it. And I think that the experienced interviewers, no matter what we're talking mixed martial arts or any other sport, they know how to bring up the topic, but it not come off in a negative light. Yes, those topics will not be brought up if the interviewer is paying the fighter. Because if the interviewer yeah. is paying the fighter, then you guys are going into business together to make some content. That eliminates yeah. the it, the idea that you're going to ask a tough question. Yeah, that I mean, in and of itself disqualifies the idea. I would tell you this right now. If if everyone in this sport says it's going to cost you money to interview fighters, here, here's what I would do as someone who's interviewed fighters for a long time. I hit those management companies and go, all right, let's do a deal. Let's do the X management X management company podcast. I'm your host. I interview your fighters. You pay me, and we we do a quality show together. That's what yeah. I would do. Yeah, because yeah, now we're doing public relations. Now, now exactly. I'm, now I'm part of the public relations department. Yeah. yeah, and and that's not what you do. That's not what people do. No, I mean, like, and guess the, what? That's not what people want to hear. People like, don't want to hear that. And maybe I'm wrong. I mean, like, look, my thing is like. I just want to have dope conversations with fighters. Like I like we all want a ton of hits. I mean, let's just be honest. We all want tons of hits, but like for me, all I worry about is putting out dope content. Like that's like when, when people hit me up about, Hey, you know, we, we, can we do this interview? I'm like, Hey, you think it's gonna be a dope conversation? Cause like, I don't want to be a situation where you're interviewing somebody and they give you three word answers. That's just not, it's not gonna be a great conversation for the people that are checking out my content. So it's like, for me, I'm always like, how do I make stuff different? Like the JSP conversation I had today. I saw on his Instagram that uh, he had a quote uh, after his weigh-in that he was ready for a bag of Doritos. Okay, well, what, what bag of Doritos are we going for? He mentioned Cool Ranch. I'll tell you, new flavored Doritos. I don't know if you've had it yet, Daniel. Salsa Verde. Salsa Verde. Mm. I'm going to have to grab a bag of Doritos. That sounds pretty delightful. Look, look. I'm a cool ranch guy, but like that, that's the thing for me is like when an interview, when, it, when a fighter comes on my show or we do an interview, I just want, I just want to have a conversation. I'm like, I'm not trying to be, I'm not trying to create some fancy headline because look, I'll tell you, I listen, I listen to some interviews out there and I can just tell someone's looking for that viral clip to, to go. And I just, for me, let's just have some dope conversations. Yeah, and that to me, honestly, would be the one criticism I have of Ariel's show. Ariel is one of the top dudes in the game for years. One of the criticisms I have is sometimes you get where he wants to go with his an the, the answers from the people. Yeah. Sometimes there are leading questions, and that really is one of the few criticisms I have for Ariel. 
someone I respect a lot, someone who I poke fun in at times because she's the most famous person we have. And that's what we do in the world. We, we kind of, we, we listen to them, but Ariel single-handedly feeds the MMA content game. I mean, every time he has a podcast, if he has a high profile guest, those websites do articles on that. And those articles do the biggest numbers, you know, um, uh, there was you, you asked me before the show if we missed anything, and I kind of forgot about a major story. Forgot about TJ Dillashaw retiring. Uh, yeah, that's a good one. <laughs> one of the okay. best fighters in the sport. Well, okay, you say that though. <laughs> but when if you asked twenty MMA fans, what is your memory of TJ Dillashaw? How many of them will not say EPO? Well, they may not say EPO, but they're definitely going to say he tested positive for something, right? They might forget the the letters, but for TJ, a big part of his legacy is the suspension, is being suspended and having that reputation of performance enhancing. It's a major part. You look at his resume, though, he, he will go down as one of the best fighters to ever fight in those weight classes. But without a doubt, that's a big part of his story. You, you mentioned about clicks. How many views on YouTube do you believe the aerial response to Patty Pimble and Dana White has received? Well, I've seen it embedded on every MMA fighting article at the very bottom. I don't know. One, one million? 404,000 viewers. Okay. By the way, just looking at what other videos have gotten 100,000 views. Or let's just say 50,000 views for MMA fighting. Let's see here. Scroll down, scroll down. Uh, Arrow Hawani and the James Krause scandal, 163,000. Uh, Stephen Thompson interview on MMA hour, 143,000. Damn. And, and, and the thing uh, is. Yeah. But that, that just that just tells you what what gets clicks and what doesn't. Now, I'll tell you. what One of the things I find the most fascinating about how we get views and being a content creator bro tiktok i uh i put up a clip from my interview with jay perrin uh you know as he's taking on raul rojas jr and uh i'm surprised how well it's done and uh you know when i when i got the email from tiktok like you have 99 notifications i put up like an hour before that i'm like huh i'm like i don't have a ton of followers on tiktok you know i'm trying to build that up and you know i've met with i've met with people that are TikTok people that understand the TikTok algorithm. And, uh, you know, and so looking at the comments, um, Raul Rojas going to pulverize this poor guy. Another one says, just bet the house on this dude, meaning bet on, on Jay. <laughs> Response, donation, Rojas by decision. Should have put your money on Raul, which I will tell you, when I saw that, I was like, all right, uh, you know, maybe maybe Raul Rojas Jr. is the most interesting fighter fighting on Friday or Saturday night. Jason, I need it. I'm going to have to take you to therapy. You called him Rojas again. <laughs> Jason has a tick where he, for some God knows reason, calls Raul Rosas Raul Rojas. <laughs> That's your Wikipedia thing. That's my version of getting fights on Wikipedia is you calling him Raul Rojas. <laughs> I'll tell you, it like it's a fascinating story. Uh-huh. 
If you told me I had to pick one underdog this week, my underdog yeah. might be Jay Perrin. I got two dogs, but talk, talk to me. Talk to me about Jay Perrin, man. Look, the thing about Raul is he is a tremendous grappler. Everyone knows it. I mean, you talk to anybody in Vegas. Like, for example, I had Julian Rose on Sunday's podcast. He talked about he was working with Raul to get ready for Alex Aceris because we all know what Alex does well with his grappling. But there is a deficiency in his game, and that deficiency is on the stand-up. If he can't get that fight to the ground, Jay's going to win that fight. But it's a big question mark. I mean, look, it's an 18-year-old kid. The guy just turned 18 two months ago. Now you're taking on a a vet of this game. Like, as I look at, and I color-coded some things for this weekend's MMA, and I I wrote, best fight of the weekend, most interesting fighters, and under-the-radar fighters. And to me, I put four fighters in the most, most interesting fighter category, two on UFC, two on Bellator. Over on Bellator, Cody Law and Pat Downey. Cody Law, how does he respond from his first professional loss back in June? Pat Downey, incredible prospects, got that wrestling credentials, second pro fight. Over at UFC, Patty Pemblin. Patty, he, he's got the it factor. I mean, let's just call it what it is. He has the it factor, but there are deficiencies in his game, particularly in the boxing defense. And then you look at Raul. I mean, the kid's 18 years old. The sky's the limit. He's trying to be UFC champ by the age of 20. Uh, let's be a little bit more realistic about our goals. Yeah. Yeah. If, dude, if he accomplishes that, then by God, we got ourselves the greatest fighter of all time. Because to become a UFC champion at age 20 means you're the greatest fighter of all time or you're fighting in the women's featherweight division. That's uh, that's that's about it. But I think those are great names, Jason. I think the other name I would throw in there would be on the UFC card. Uh, uh, Duplessis is just yeah. is just a very interesting fighter, a very interesting middleweight, and he's going up against Darren Till in, in a fight where it it rings and screams of your stereotypical Joe Silva type matchup, an opportunity for Drakus to go out there and perform well against a major name and a talented fighter. And at middleweight, he's got a whole lot of potential. So to go along with Raul and Patty and Law, I, I, I think I got to throw his name in, in the hat for most interesting fighters, uh, you know, this weekend. Under the radar, I just put one fighter, and this fighter is someone that has, you know, been a, a top of the card fighter for the UFC. He's made some changes, leaving California and now trained there uh, in Las Vegas, and that's Edmund Shabazian. Man, that's a good one. That's a good one. I mean, just think of just think of the way we thought about Edmund early on in his career. Mm-hmm. This is a guy, he's 25 years old now. I would have thought he would have been in the championship picture. Well, he's got three losses in a row, and he's in a must-win fight. I mean, this is a massive step down in competition going up against Daucha Lujambula. And this is a fight he has to win. If he loses, he might be out of the UFC. He might be out of a job. He's 25 years old. He has plenty of time to turn things around, but this is the crossroads moment for him to do it. There was a great article in MMA Fighting this week from Dan Martin. The headline was, Edmund Shabazzian had to get away from toxic feeling with former team ready for a fresh start at UFC 280. Uh, And this is his quote to Dan Martin. It goes, back when I was training in Glendale, 
I felt like my last couple of fights, it was a bit of a toxic feeling and stressful, stressful with my surroundings. I had to get away from that. That's one of the other reasons I got away from there. Now that I have all this opportunity in front of me, living in Vegas and living on my own, it's so good for me. I feel free mentally and physically. It's just been great. Well, we've heard people say that before, and we've had varying results. It all comes down to what actually happens, and I'm looking forward to seeing that. So that that's a good call by you. I mean, when I think of under the radar, I'm not going to go single fighters. I'm going to go two under the radar fights from the UFC mm-hmm. car that I'm looking forward to. Firstly, Chris Curtis, Joaquin Buckley. Just these are two very, very exciting yeah. guys. Joaquin Buckley, to me, has a very high ceiling as a fighter. He's flip-flopped with wins and victories. So that's a fight I've got circled. And then in terms of fun fights, Alexander Hernandez and Billy Q on the early prelims is another fight I look at, and I just think fight of the night potential. Both guys always exciting to watch. And and those are the two quote-unquote under-the-radar fights. But you know what the the under-the-radar storyline is? What's that? How many people are going to buy this show? We've grown accustomed to We've grown accustomed to big pay-per-view numbers, major pay-per-views. This pay-per-view lost the championship fight. It's not a very marketable card. It lost Robbie Lawler, too. It's, uh, there's zero people in my life that have come to me and said, Daniel, are you hyped for Jan versus Ankalaev? All right, let me. So I will be out in California. I head, I head out to Cali tomorrow for Bucks and, and 49ers on Sunday. I really don't think I could ask the fellas, let's go to a bar and watch the UFC pay-per-view. Unless the bar we happen to go to has the fights on. I don't think I could like make a destination of, hey guys, I know you guys aren't hardcore fans, but let's go watch these fights. They're going to be killer. I just, I don't think I can do it. No, but you can, you can do what you just said, bro. Do the recon work, figure out which place is <laughs> showing the fights, and thank goodness you're in California, so the fights, pay-per-view is going to start at 7 o'clock. Yeah. You'll be out of there by 10 o'clock, 10, 15. And the thing is, as weak as this card is, Patty Pimblett is still a major star, and I think people going to a bar will really enjoy watching that fight. I think people like myself that are going to have to purchase this pay-per-view are going to have very similar feelings to the feelings we felt when we purchased the PFL show. I mean, honest to God, like – I'm not excited about buying UFC 282, man. I, I just think this pay-per-view – I mean, look, we went in and we went hard when we said the PFL show wasn't worth the price point. This UFC pay-per-view is not worth the price point. It's obviously a better card than the PFL show, but it's not worth the price point. And again, it's worth mentioning. It's not like this is the card they had envisioned in paper. They were dealt a pretty crappy hand with Yuri having to get surgery. I will tell you, if I'm not watching the UFC fights on Saturday, it's for one reason, one likely reason. In San Jose on Saturday night, Chris Rock and Dave Chappelle are playing the Honda Center. I might, oh, you got to go to that. You got to go to that. You just got to go to that. Tickets ain't cheap, bro. I know. I mean, hey, man, I went to Chris it's, Rock third it's, row. It's all, it's it's all it. on, on the secondary market, just looking on StubHub. The cheapest ticket in the building, which is, you know, top of the building, $210 a piece. Jason, do it. All right. Those well, are my other the- thought was, do I go to San Fran uh-huh. to watch Warriors Celtics? That's another good one. How much is that? 
How did you do the investigating? I, I think it's like two hundred is like the cheap. All right, straight up, you got to go to the comedy show. Chappelle and Rock are two of the best five comedians on the planet right now. That, you got to you got to make it happen. That that was my thought. You know, I just got to get the fellas. Hey, y'all, y'all want to you know shell hots? <laughs> yeah, I know. <laughs> Yeah, you want to spend a, a significant portion of the money we're supposed to be making uh, on some well, daddy well, sodas. Well, and the thing is, it's also there's five of us. So I, you know, it's it's trying to find five seats together too. Oh yeah, when I when I went to the Chris Rock show in San Antonio a few weeks ago, uh, in my row at the very it was a couple, but they got separate tickets. One was at the end of the row, and one was like eight seats in, and they were asking everybody if if like we could move down one seat so they could sit next to each other and everybody said yes until the very last couple to show up said no. And so I sat next to the poor lady as she was separated by eight people from her significant other. Why did they say no? I don't know. I don't know. It was, so did the people <laughs> say no had the aisle? No, I said me and my, me and my aunt sat in the aisle. The people who said no were just in the middle. They just couldn't be bothered. They were just like, no, of course not. You know, yeah, yeah, that was awkward. It was really awkward, but it happened Dude. just as the show was starting. Yeah, yeah. So that, that that's my Chris Rock story. God, they're a holes. I mean, they're a yeah. holes. I mean, damn. Yeah, bro, bro. That that is super true. Damn, that is super true. Yeah, the girlfriend. It wasn't laughing for a while during the Chris Rock. I think she was sad, but she eventually Oof. started laughing. Oof. Yeah, yeah. That's 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 rough. Yeah. Now, I have four fights labeled as best fights of the weekend. Okay. Over on the Bellator. Actually, before we get to that, Carmouche Velasquez may be an under-the-radar fight this weekend. Yeah, it's a really good fight. Carmouche is so damn talented. She's an under-the-radar fighter in general. Like I think whenever she retires, her legacy is going to look pretty damn good when you look at her history. I mean, hell, main event of the first ever female pay-per-view in how, UFC history. How different? Is it if she chokes out Ronda Rousey instead of Rousey surviving that? Dude, I don't. I can't even comprehend. I mean, I don't you even talk, know how how different would the history of women mixed martial arts be if that happens? I mean, the one thing that I thought was interesting when I was listening to the Bellator uh, virtual media day was she essentially said that you know she really just doesn't watch much film, and she's like, look, you know, I helped uh, Alima Leg get ready for her. I've now had two fights against her. I know what she's going to bring. I mean, look, if Liz can get that fight to the ground, I don't think it's no different. And the one of the funny things she said is, she says, so after she wins the fight back in uh, Hawaii against Velasquez, she goes, I'm walking to the back, and Bellator PR, PR comes up to you and goes, hey, just giving you a little heads up. There's a lot of controversy online about the stoppage of this fight. And she's like, huh? And to me, the, the controversy, that stoppage, the only reason there's there's controversy is because it was a couple of seconds left in, in the round. I think if that's in the middle of the round, there's no controversy. Yep. Uh, and by I the way, um, I will mention, by the way, because one of my best fights of the weekend is Stotts and Sabatello. Blake Grice will be the referee for that one. I found that out uh, today. But uh, so to me, the best fights of the weekend is the two Bantamweight Grand Prix over at Bellator. Um, and then over the UFC, the two fights I have listed is the main event, uh, Blahovich and Ankalaev. And then I put Bryce Mitchell and Ilya Taporia as my uh, other best fight of the weekend. Dude, these are four really, really good fights. And I'm having a hard time telling you which one's the best fight. And I think you 
you labeled it. I don't think there's a single other fight that jumps in that top four. First and foremost, the first fight I'm taking out, even though it might be the second best fight from a fight quality standpoint, Patchy and Magomed. The only reason why I'm taking that out of those four is because I just, you know, we saw, we, we've seen, we've seen Magomed take on Stouts. Uh, it's just Stouts, Stouts to me has the most upside out of the four fighters. That's why Stouts Abitel is above it. Mitchell and Teporia, two, I believe, undefeated guys. At least they for sure haven't lost in the UFC. Um, that's that's a big fight, and then Ankalaev Blahovich. Even if it was not for a light heavyweight championship, that's just an exciting fight. I mean, Ankalaev is uh, one of those light heavyweights that has the ceiling. We don't know where it exists, and Jan is the ultimate test. So, if I'm telling you which fight I'm looking forward to the most, put a gun to my head. I'm going to Poria Mitchell. The reason being, I think it might be the most entertaining of the four. Yeah, they're uh, yeah they're all undefeated guys, or um, outside of. Mitchell lost, Mitchell lost an amateur fight. It's all like the Mitchell and Teporia fight. Teporia yeah. is undefeated. Um, you know, look, I the the fight that I think is hardest for me to call and pick a winner is probably the Patchy Mix and, and Magomedov fight. I, I think that's a coin flip type fight. I give a slight edge to Magomed, Magomedov. Um, but if Patchy Mix can use, utilize that grappling, get on the back, you know, the other ones, I think I kind of feel fairly like if you told me my most confident pick of those four fights, I would go Ankalaev as the fighter I had the most confidence in getting a win. Yeah, I mean that's that's a pretty solid pick, and I understand why. Ankalaev to me just has a lot of great offensive weapons, and, and the path to victory is clear. But Jason. I'm listening, and I'm hearing the dogs, and the dogs are barking. <laughs> and you know what the dogs are telling me, Jason? They're telling me, Daniel, let's lay down a little two-fight parlay, and let's let's lay it down on the last two fights at UFC 282. I think Jared Gordon and Jan are going to win fights, and this isn't like some gimmick where I just pick underdogs all the time, but this is the reason why. Okay, first off, I'm listening to the vibes. Patty Pimblett has really bad vibes going to this fight. All right. He just got knocked out by a journalist. Okay. Jared, Patty Pimblett, in all three of his UFC fights, has had moments where he looked bad. Mm-hmm. <laughs> he's, he's had moments where he, he, he looked bad. He got rocked, got taken down at times. He hasn't thrown a shutout. There's a difference in quality of fighter between his first three opponents and Jared Gordon. Mm-hmm. Taking that into account. When I also take into account the really, really strong conditioning of Jared Gordon, I like the idea of Jared Gordon winning a unanimous decision over Patty Pimblett. What worries me is Jared Gordon, to me, doesn't have very strong offensive firepower in both the striking and the grappling. He, to me, comes across like a point fighter where he can technically beat a guy from a grappling positional advantage or just by outpointing a guy and getting out of the way. That really worries me because Patty can lose a round but come out and get the finish. So I'm really concerned about that, but I'm feeling the dogs. And the reason why I'm picking the dog in Jan over Ankalaev is the resume and experience against high-level competition. Jan just has much more than Ankalaev. Ankalaev really hasn't had that moment thus far in his mixed martial arts career where he's gone out there to compete and kind of been humbled. I mean, that happened in his UFC debut against you know Paul Craig. 
Ah, damn. I don't know. The more I think about it, the more I, I feel like Echo Live is a good pick. But <laughs> well, if you uh, did do if you did uh, do that two fighter parlay of Jan Blahovich and Jared Gordon, that is plus nine fifty four. Damn, Jason, I'm pulling out. Um, I'm pulling out. I'm evacuating. I'm picking on Goliath. The more I think about it, I just see this fight on the feet, and I think Goliath is going to probably do some significant damage against Jan. Yeah, I mean the only but thing Jan's about really it, good. Jan's really good, man. He's so freaking under underrated. The only thing with Ankalaev is sometimes he's just he's a, he's a he doesn't have a lot of volume, um, and, and that's where I kind of wonder: it, it will the fight be as exciting as we're hoping it'll be on Saturday? Now, I mean, it's like, like look, Rafael Stotts and Danny Sabatello have done a tremendous job of promoting this fight. I hope Bellator is is throwing a little extra coin in these two guys' paycheck because. Both of them have done a tremendous job. But breaking down a fight, it's not difficult. For Rafael Sats, it comes down to is just stopping the takedowns of Daniel Sabatello and make Sabatello beat you on the feet. For Daniel Sabatello, it's simple. Get the fight to the ground. Um, and, I mean, look, Danny is, Danny's being Danny. I mean, like, he, he's being who you would expect him to be. I, I, look, I think it's Rafael Sats is the, the rightful favorite in this one. Um, but, I mean, Sabatello has a clear path to victory. I just don't know if he's got the tools to beat Rafael Stotts. Yeah, it's going to come down to the ability to, to score those takedowns, as simple as that. And I don't think he's going to be able to do it. Even if he does score the takedowns, I like Stouts' ability to get back and to have success in scrambling situations. I think this fight plays out a lot on the feet, and I like Rafael to win this one. But it is close. Sabatello is someone who really does a great job of executing said game plans. There are guys in the sport who have the tools that don't execute the game plan. I don't have that concern with Sabatello. But when I look at the Bantamweights, I think the final is going to be Stouts and Mix. Those are kind of my picks there. I think Carmouche, you know, beats Velasquez. I think you go to UFC, I'm locking in Ankalaev after thinking about Jan. I'm locking Gordon. And then in that fight between Mitchell and Teporia, well, I just think Ilya is going to really have success on the feet against Bryce. And he's not going to find himself on the ground. But obviously, we know how good of a grappler Mitchell is and how fun he is. But I just think Taporia has a significant, significant stand-up advantage. And when I look at the wrestling, I don't have confidence in Bryce's ability to bring that one down. Yeah. Um, you know, look, I I would say, uh, you know, look, I, I said at the beginning of this tournament, Danny Sabatello's Dark Horses tournament. So I got to go with Danny Sabatello. I got to. If I'm sitting there telling people for months, this guy's a Dark Horse of the tournament, and then I don't pick him in the semifinals. But I think Rafael Stotts should be the favorite in this one. Uh, I think Carmouche retains her title over Juliana Velasquez. I think she'll utilize her wrestling. Mix and Magomedov is a coin flip. I'll go with the favorite and Magomedov in that one. Um, Dalton Ross, a huge betting favorite. He should win. Uh, looking at the Bellator prelims, um, Kai Kamaka third, always a fun fighter uh, to watch. Um, and then uh, I'm interested in the Kyle Crutchmere and, and Juliet Willis fight is one that sticks out to me over there. Um, so I'm, so for Bellator, are you going Stotts, Carmouche, Mix, Rasta as your main card picks? No, I'm picking Anthony Adams. No, I'm kidding. Yeah, I got those four. <laughs> for Dawson uh, Rasta, it's time to get a better fight, bro. It's time <laughs> to get a better fight. I'm sorry. Yeah, so I guess he was. He mentioned yesterday that I guess initially he was going to fight in November, but he had um, some sort of injury came up, and then then they weren't be able to get him onto the card in February. But they said, "Hey, we can pull you on on this December card." And he said, "Put me on that December card." By the way, uh, banger alert! February fourth, Sabah Hamasi, 
Ren Ward on that card. That's all. Whether I don't know if it's going to be on the main card of CBS or preempts. I'm just saying this right now. Scott Coker, if you don't get a Chris Cyborg fight on there, you don't get a Michael Page on that fight, that is your opening fight on CBS. Like, don't overthink this. That's your opening fight. Yeah, that's a great fight. That's a banger, without a doubt. I mean, both those guys bring it. Sabah has really been so good. And Brennan Ward, ever since his debut in the promotion, he just has the fight. He just brings the fight. That's a that's a hell of a fight, Jason. Like 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 you're talking about that barn burner potential type fight that you want on network television. Like that's the fight. Don't don't stick that on the prelims unless that third fight on the card is either Chris Cyborg or Michael Page. Those are yes. only two fighters that should no one else should go above them. Yeah, one one hundred percent. I certainly agree with you, my man. Um. Over at the UFC, um, in terms of uh, a mention about Patty Pimblett, because you, you were talking about this uh, a second ago. The one concern I have about Patty Pimblett is the boxing defense and, and how much of that has improved. I mean, that that is the, the, the clear weakness of him. Jared Gordon gets better as the fight goes on. So I feel like if Patty's going to win this, he needs to get Jared out in the first or second round. Jared does tend to be a slow starter. If you tell me this fight hits the third round, that's where I start thinking. Live bet Jared Gordon <laughs> if this fight hits the third round. Uh, but in terms of picks, uh, I will go with Ankoliev. I'll go with Patty. Um, I don't feel great about this pick of Santiago Ponzinibbio, but I think he should win against Alex Brown. Unfortunate for Santiago not to get uh, that Robbie Lawler fight. Um, I do like Drinkus Duplessis. Um, and I like Bryce Mitchell in an underdog role. I think that grappling. And why do I feel like Darren Till? Why do I see him cashing a million dollar check in the PFL within the next two years? Well, I could certainly see him making his way to the PFL, but making it to the finals, that's a different story, my man. That's a different I mean, it is not a good but it's not a good run for fighters going from the USC to the PFL. No. But uh yeah, I mean if, if he loses that fight, I certainly think that's a real possibility. But maybe, you know, Darren is someone who's really kind of been stepping in mud where it's like we see the idea of what you can be. And it's just been a while since he's been that. And this is a great opportunity, but Jerikas is just one hell of a fighter. When I look at your picks, Jason, the only two I disagree on is the Pimblet fight and the Taporia fight. I like Taporia. I like Gordon. Ponzinibbio, you know, Alex Marino is a very good fighter, but Ponzinibbio, to me, is the deserved favorite. He knew this fight was happening. He had the fight camp. You know, you kind of look at what we've talked about and, and to circle back to under the radar – you know, I think you can make the case that since we spent all this time talking about everybody, we still haven't said the name Jazir No Rosenstrike. So maybe he's the end of the radar guy. You know, he, he really needs yeah. to win here. I don't like that fight for Chris Dawkins. Yeah. Seen him struggle against power punchers. In the, I'll put this in the category of Jason feels old. First fight of the night. I'm probably going to butcher this guy's last name, so I'm just going to call him Cameron. He was born December 20th, 2000. I was a freshman in college. Crazy. Crazy. Yeah, and he's a, he's a big favorite there against Coslo. I mean, well how how old were you when uh how old were you when Raul Rosas Jr was born? So what? He was born in 2003. <laughs> Let me see. I'm going to go to Sure Dog. He's 18 years old. He was born to October 8, 2004. So my man, El Nino Problema, was almost born in 2005, dude. It, 
I was <laughs> that's crazy. I, I forget who I was having this conversation and 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 he came up and and it was kind of like this this evolution of the fight game. And it, it makes, you know, it's still odd to think that an 18-year-old is in the UFC. And like it's a fight that I think is perfect for both guys. Jay's 0-2 in the UFC. Here's the interesting part about this fight. Both are represented by the same manager. Wow. That is interesting. You know, but it's one of these things of like, how good is Raul right now in comparison to where he might be three or four years from now? He doesn't have man strength yet. And Jay mentioned in the interview I did with him, he said, he goes, look, I know he's going to grapple. He goes, I just got to stop the grappling. I got to keep the fight on the feet. I will tell you the other things I like. I, I, you mentioned that Chris Curtis, Joaquin Buckley. I think that's a, a great match. If you're looking for a dog spot, Chris Curtis plus money. I kind of like that spot there. You know, I mean, you know, I'm rooting for my guy, Billy Q Tampa, Tampa resident. So uh, he's taking on Alexander Hernandez. Uh, I think Steven Coslow is a very interesting underdog. Let's just say tomorrow when I do the show with Pete, the heat, people might be surprised. Uh, I think Pete's on the Steven Coslow train this week. Okay. Okay. We'll see how that I'm plays. More, I'm, I'm kind. I'm kind of on the Jay Perrin train this week. That's just yeah. because of the question mark of what if he can't get the fight to the ground. Which, by the way, brings up uh, when I was doing some research for a show, ESPN updated their MMA top twenty-five under twenty-five, and I feel like this is kind of like almost like an agree disagree type uh, situation here. Number one. Now, by the way, number one last year is no longer eligible for this list because he's over 25 now. Song Yudong. That's mm-hmm. a, that, was a, that was a good pick there. Number one, Usman Nurmaga made off the Bellator lightweight champion. You know, I agree with that. I, I looked at the list, and there are not that many lightweights on the planet that I would pick Usman to lose to. There's probably about five, maybe four. So if you're at that level in the toughest division in this sport, that's worth number one. The top three, I'm in complete agreements with. I think I think there is a clear top three for this list. Number two being Aaron Blanchfield. Number three being Mohamed Makayev. I think that's a clear one, two, three. If you had those, if you put Aaron Blanchfield number one, would not have a problem with you. The question for me with Usman Nurmagomedov is I still think there's kind of this wanting to see him fight more elite elite competition and what does he look like but i don't uh, the one two three in this list i do i'm right with you then once you get past that that's where i think it becomes interesting should christian lee be higher than number six i don't know it's a tough one so just for people that haven't seen the list four is michael morales five macy barber six christian lee Seven, Tessiro Tyra. Eight, Kassan Magomed Sharapov. Nine, Corey McKenna. Ten, Yasmin Yurugi. Eleven, Ma Heshate. Twelve, Raul Rosas. Thirteen, Chase Hooper. Fourteen, Nick Maximoff. Fifteen, Rong Zhu. Those are the top 15. Um, okay, Christian Lee. I believe he should be ahead of Macy Barber. Christian Lee. I believe he should be ahead of Michael Morales. I think Christian Lee should be number four when I look at this list, my man. Not a lot of people know this guy's name. He's number 16 on this list, Lucas Brennan. So he was supposed to fight tomorrow night at Bellator 
289. However, his opponent was not cleared by the commission. He was supposed to take on Dre Miley. Dre Miley was not cleared by the commission. To me, he is a guy. I don't know if Kay Hansen should be number 17. Honestly, I think her and Chase Hooper should be lower on this list. Chase, yeah, Chase Hooper's way too high. Just it, yeah. it's it's the striking deficiencies of Chase Hooper. We all know he's super talented on the ground, but it's the deficiencies on there. Um, you know, also look on this 18 Christian Rodriguez, 19 Brady Heastan had him on the podcast last week. Uh, 20 Aviv Gozali. I could honestly, I could put him higher. I mean, not that much higher, but I like him a lot. I, I think he's got some. I mean, he's he's evolving. I mean, that's the that's the that's the thing that's hard about this list is you look at all these fighters and you just go, man, they're all evolving fighters. Yeah, you know, there's a big drop off at different levels. There's a big drop off after three, and then after that, it's probably a big drop off after like seven or eight, and then it's like because like you look honestly, someone who could be higher is Yasmin Jarugi. So like. <laughs> She's at 10, but dude, I, you know, I watched her fight this past weekend uh, against, um, oh, maybe it was the week before. When the hell was her? Was it, yeah, it was last weekend against Estella Nunez. Dude, her stand up is so exciting. And by the way, uh, just completely side tangent, I just want to mention this because uh, we didn't talk about the fights and, you know, it was a long time ago, so it makes sense. It was a whole, you know, two things uh, Pavlovich and Nikolaou. Oh my God, those two guys. Oh my God. I just want to mention those two. But oh, Yasmin. No. Okay. How about Roman DeLidze just pinning the leg of, of Jack Hermanson and just grounded, pounded him? I've never seen that before. I've never seen that before. That's freaking crazy, <laughs> dude. Yeah, you're going to start seeing that. So those okay. three people, right. oh my so, gosh. So I get home Saturday night from a birthday party. And I, I got home right as, it was like, this is your second or third round of Angela Hill and uh, Emily Dakota. And so as I'm going through, and then... When Pavlovich wins, I'm like, hold on. Did the broadcast team just put up Sergey Pavlovich's fighter of the year conversation? I'm like, all right, come on. We're, but then you start thinking about it. There's not really a clear-cut fighter of the year. Oh, God. Let me look at this. I mean, Charles should... Dubronx put up the nomination of Alex Bahia. So did he get two? Did he get more than two fights? I think he got he got two fights in this year. I think Alex Perez is a really good pick. What I mean, do you? I I should have I should have done some research on this one. So I, I'm telling you, only had one fight. Th there's not there's not there's just not a lot to point to. Like there's not someone who's gone on this like three four zero oh run and they've just you know been taking out killers. Yeah, Perez is a really good suggestion. Oh, I got the answer. Dude, it's it's freaking Volk. Okay? He beat Jung in Holloway. He's the best pound-for-pound pound fighter in the world. It's either Volk. Right now, I'm thinking Volk or Pereira. Pereira is like the narrative. And, and not to say that he did, like he has two big wins, Yeah, but it's the narrative. It's the rise of Pereira. He, he, he dethroned Adesanya. But Volkanovski is the pound-for-pound pound fighter, and he had two championship defenses. That's a pretty strong case in my mind. By the way, the interesting part of this ESPN.com list, it was really dominated by the UFC and Bellator. PFL, Invicta, and Combate each had one fighter in that top 25. Wow. I will say it's good there was some representation, but, I mean, I think it's a pretty accurate list. Oh, it is, yeah. The one, the one name on this list I'm most excited for. 
and see how his career goes is Mahashate. Uh, firstly, I love the single name thing. And secondly, he's a really fun striker to watch. <laughs> so Mahashate, I, I'm all in on that dude. All right. You got to pick one or the other. Who wins a UFC championship first, saying one of them wins it? Who are you putting your money on? Aaron Blanchfield at women's 135 or Mohamed Mikhaev at 125 pounds? Blanchfield. Blanchfield, Blanchfield, Blanchfield. Easy answer because of the quality of competition. Who do you got? I like I like your thought process, though. My, my initial thought was Mikhaev, but man... I really like your thought process. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I mean, you, you look at these two fight. Makayev has more like exciting tools in his game. You get excited about his fights, but Blanchfield really has that clear, clear path to victory time in and time out. There's more killers right now in men's flyweight. Again, I mentioned Matthias Nicolau. His stand-up was just absurd against Matt Schnell. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, so that's why I'm going with, with, with her. And, you know, the, the last performance out of Mikhaev wasn't an A+. plus. It was like a B-. minus. So maybe that's colored my thoughts, too. Whereas Blanchfield's last performance was an A++++ plus 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 against Molly McCann. Yeah, she, she's one of those. I mean, I think both those fighters. And, and I'm interested to see, I mean, I mean, obviously Usman is going to be in this Bellator lightweight Grand Prix. It's going to be interesting to see who the other seven fighters are in that Grand Prix. Yeah, I'm excited. Is, is AJ McKee? One of those guys, I mean, that's going to obviously can uh, mean he's signed a new deal with Bellator. I did see Chris Cyborg. Uh, I saw the headline that, uh, you know, not, not a shocking headline that she's team Bellator. I don't think anyone's really shocked by that one. Um, yeah. I, 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 I've got mad respect for Kayla Harrison for doing interviews following that loss. Mad respect. We just don't see that in the sport. Yeah, yeah. She's a... Uh... I mean, I've always thought very highly of her, but I, you know, I'm looking forward to seeing her career. I mean, she's someone I root for to not lose in her next fight because it'd be a sad story if she's not able to capitalize on her popularity when it comes to doing a, a fight against Cyborg or Nunez or whatever. I mean, it was one of those. It'll be one of those what ifs. I just I wonder if we're gonna sit here a year from now and go, damn, we're never gonna get Cyborg Harrison. I, I just wonder if that's going to be a narrative that we talk about. So it's a really distinct possibility. And and to get that, I mean, I think Kayla's probably got to go out there and uh, go back to the drawing board and, and get that, you know, big return and get a big W. Because uh, I would imagine she's going to have that Pacheco fight sooner rather than later. If I'm the PFL, I'm trying to, I'm trying to, I would make that the first fight of the 2023 calendar. A hundred percent. You know, typically they, they, they usually start in April. Like that's to me. Like, and what's also really interesting about the PFL is to see what weight divisions they do in 2023 for a tournament. Do we see divisions they have not normally done? You know, I mean, look, let, let's be honest about it. You did women's lightweight because of Kayla Harrison. Are we going, are we going to see now that transition to a 145 pound tournament? Yeah. Well, they do I an mean- 85 pound tournament. I, I, but I think it's all related to, but like, if I'm also PFL, you look at some of the names they have on their roster, potential names they could add. You want to differentiate yourself a little bit from uh, the rest of the uh, sport? What if you did a 165 pound 
tournament. I think that's a great idea. I mean, it's been a talking point for years and years and years, and there's no reason why not to. That's me. Yeah. Yeah, I, I dig it. I dig it. But, you know, there may be some big names to add. You know, you talk about a middleweight. You know, Paulo Costa said he's, you know. I saw you know, he, he, free he, agency. Yeah, he said uh, the UFC offered him a six-fight deal. He turned it down, saying that he's uh, not interested in multi-fight deals, which, I mean, look, every promotion that wants to sign you, Paul, is going to want to sign you to a multi-fight deal. They're not going to sign you to a one-fight deal. Yeah. Yeah, they're trying to invest in you to at least get more than one fight out of you, my man. Yeah. Yeah, you mentioned about the Dillashaw thing. I saw some people kind of bring this up. Are we going to start seeing a, a UFC loop always fires just retire so they can get out of the pool and not have to worry about putting their whereabouts policy in and, and getting tested at any point? Unless your name's Conor McGregor. Yeah, I think so. I think possibly. But, man, you look at Dillashaw, I mean, I just think his shoulder's trashed, dude. I mean, he really... He really went out on his sword, you know. It was like one last shot, and gosh, I can only imagine how he's feeling. But hey, you know, obviously he had the controversy, but still a historic career, and, and still one of the best bantamweights of all time. I mean, Aljo, I think, should probably be in that fighter of the year conversation. Yeah, I agree with you. I agree with you. Uh, that fight was kind of tainted because mm-hmm. of the injury, but yeah. I still agree with you. It's a good point to bring up that there just isn't a super strong, no doubt about it case. Like I'm, I'm trying to think, like, should Larissa Pacheco be in that conversation? She kind of is in that Juliana Pena mold of last year. The narrative is mm. really good, and she has the wins to go along with that. Uh, but I, I still would push back on just you know the quality of competition just isn't there either. I don't like I was trying to think Bellator who would be in that conversation. No one really jumps out to me. Yeah. Maybe Johnny uh, Eblen. Yeah, yeah. He had the big win over a guy maybe you would consider the best fighter in Bellator and Musasi. Uh, you know, maybe Usman with his big win. But still I, I it's just one of those years, man. You know, maybe just give it to Nate Diaz for winning um free agency. You, you know what? If we would have had a Yuri fight this weekend. And if he would have gone out and fought Glover, beat Glover, I think probably Yuri would have been the guy. Yeah, 100%. 100%. I mean, he, you know, the, he had the best fight of the year in my mind, and then to, to do it again would be great. You know, when we talk about best fight of the year, I think I think Yuri and Glover is the best fight. I like that oh, one more than Thompson Holland. Oh, no doubt. No doubt. And just yeah. the, the back and forth. I mean, if you had sat there and said, hey, Yuri's going to tap out Glover's share – you would be like, bro, get off the secret <laughs> juice of Paul Costa. Yeah, that's so true. That's one of the most wildest results on paper. Yeah, I mean, yeah. like you think about like like crazy results in title fight history. That's got to be up there. But it, but it also it's also the selling thing of you know you've been in the cage for 20 20 plus minutes you can be the greatest jiu-jitsu guy but at some point that cardio is going to fade and you might you might get choked out because of that an empty gas tank makes a white belt out of anyone mm-hmm. I, I, my guy pete i thought his his line is something like uh you know cardio can make oh god what's his line cardio can make a coward out of anybody something I yeah i want to say yeah. i want to say something along those lines yeah, 
that's you know? it's certainly true, man. You, you know, your body's failing you, your mind's failing you. I will say and, this. I would I would still love to be a fly on the wall in the fighter meetings, whether you're talking about the belts or the UFC show this weekend, just to see if anything is said about Benny. It would just be interesting to know what, what's said. Yep. It's the biggest story in this sport, and you bet your bottom dollar. Just don't bet it with any inside information that will uh, keep on talking about this story and uh, I, all the crazy stories that come into sport, man. W- one topic I brought to somebody that is related to this story is will there ever be a time in this sport where we talk about insurance fraud? And what I mean by that is we oh. all know fighters go into a fight injured and then they'll claim that the injury on the insurance form on fight night. Will we ever see something along those lines? It's, it's an inch. I, I was watching this video. It was, it was Frank Mir rampage Tito and, and somebody else that, um, that freedom fight night thing. And mm-hmm. Tito, and it was really Frank Mir was talking about, you know, all the injuries that truly happen don't happen on fight night. For the most part, they happen in the preparations leading to the fight, but we need to get to the fight to get paid. And then you, you cite the injury. That's why, by yeah. the way, ne- next week, Derek Minter goes in front of the Nevada state athletic commission. Is that being live streamed? Oh, Oh, if there is not an MMA website, not like, oh, Garrett, guarantee that someone's live streaming that thing. You think Derek Minner pleads the fifth on all everything? I don't know, man. That to me is maybe. Well, what's the odds Derek Minner shows up? Because he'll probably be on the phone. And it's going to be like, uh, yes, this is uh, attorney John Smith. I am here to represent Derek Minner. Uh, I will be speaking for my client. Guaranteed. Derek. Yeah, I, I, I would be shocked if Derek Minner says something in that hearing and that if he doesn't have representation with him, I'd be shocked. I'd be shocked. Yeah. Yeah, man. That's juicy. That's juicy. That's probably the next shoe to drop in this story. Guarantee. That's next. That's when, uh, Wednesday, the 14th. Is that when the 14th is? Um, yeah, yeah. Next Wednesday. Yeah. yeah. That, so maybe, maybe we'll have to do it after that comes out. Well, I mean, yeah, I mean, typically when we do record this, it's later on the day. So uh, yeah, yeah, that's true. Probably yeah. Maybe we'll do that Wednesday afternoon. And I'm just, uh, I'm looking. I was gonna just Google Nevada State Athletic Commission, see if I can find the agenda. I'll be honest with you, I really, I have not paid a lot of attention to Nevada commission hearings. Yeah. Um, it's just something that I really haven't done. Um, we'll see here. I'm pulling up their, their, uh, so their next meeting is on Wednesday. So that's at noon Eastern time. Let's see. Where is Derek Minner on this? Uh, is he on the agenda? Let's see here. Uh, he is okay. He's under section F under new business hearing of an extension of the temporary suspension of mixed martial arts, Derek Minner for possible action. Number two, hearing on extension of temporary suspension for second slash trainer, James Crouch for possible action. Well, we're going to, we're going to keep our eyes on that one. Who is Daniel Compton? He's up for a suspension. 
He's a uh, eight and for, two. He, he fought for tough enough back in November. He's up for a uh, beat Maki Pitolo. Yeah. Um, Zaleski Dos Santos is on the agenda for a proposed adjudication agreement. We also, uh, they're doing, since the beginning of the year, they're doing all their referee and judging licenses. Mm. Mixed martial arts and kickboxing referees. There's a name you'll recognize. Rio Grand Zone, Jacob Montavo. There we go. The man with the legend. You know who's also on this list? Kim Winslow. You're close. <laughs> Mazagati. Steve Mazagati. Oh yeah, Mazagati's been like uh, he's been like an inspector. I've seen him at UFC events. <sighs> wow, I would love to see him and Dana. You know, I wonder if Dana's in the hallway, and on one end he sees Steve Mazagati, and on the other end he sees Ariel. Which way is he gonna go? <laughs> Could you imagine? Okay, if Ariel and Mazagati are walking together right towards Dana, what does Dana do? He just starts calling him a rat or whatever he said. What does he, he say? He said all kinds of curse words. Yeah, I don't know. I did see. Yeah, uh, Ari- actually, I, I did see Ariel's doing a Bellator watch party in Vegas tomorrow night. That's at, at a Bet MGM sportsbook. Oh yeah, because he works with them. Yeah. yeah. Hey, you know, there's there's that's probably the least fun thing you could do in Las Vegas that night, but get after it. I th- oh, look. I think. I think if you're Bellator, that's no. That's great. That's I'm, great. For that's them. great. For, that's great if you're like a Las Vegas resident. But if you're like, all right, bros, we're going to Vegas. What are we gonna do? Well, we're gonna hang out with Ariel Hilwani and watch mixed martial arts. I mean, you you aren't going to Vegas for the right reasons, okay? Well, I'm pretty sure Ariel's not a drinker, so I don't think he'd want to hang with me. Yeah, I don't know, man. Because I might just put a beer right in front of him and go, drink. Yeah. And I'll tell you, man, in MMA circles, it is very, there's not many people that are known for not being drinkers. Let's just say. I think in, I think in most circles in this country, you know. Especially on the media side. Yeah. Yeah, pretty yeah. much everyone's media tricks. Yeah. <laughs> that's that's just is. being honest. Yeah, man. You do that, yeah. Uh, <clears throat> myself included. Myself included. Well, right, now I'm thinking about pouring a cold one. Uh, um, look, it's. Uh, I'm sure there'll be some cold ones in California. I mean, look, I'll say this, man. The ability to watch a UFC pay-per-view at 7 o'clock at night. I, seriously, I am jealous of West Coast residents. Jealous. Like, yeah. whenever when I've done a game on the West coast during college football season. And I can wake up at 9 a.m. and start watching college football. Like it is, that is just jealousy, pure jealousy. Like I was saying, like as a sports fan, the West coast has to be the best coast to live on. Has to be. Oh yeah. 100% without a doubt. I mean, some of these pay-per-views, they, it ends at 1230 my time for you. What's one thirty? and the ability for those things to end at 1030. Oh my gosh. That uh, just sounds uh, this, this is true story. True story. Your old boy, uh, you know, I was at a free birthday party. It was open bar. I made it through the co-main event. And um, yeah, I woke up on the couch uh, during the third round of Thompson and Holland. <laughs> true story. Oh. True story. Hey, I tell you, we're transparent here. I fell asleep right out of the couch. Damn. Damn, my man. You know, hey, 
And you woke up to a good fight. Granted, some of the best parts had already happened. But uh, yeah, I think let's, let's just say one. let's just say I was drinking some Stella's, and then um, a champagne toast happened, and then someone brought bought a, a bottle of Tito's. I go, it's time to go. It's time to go. <laughs> I go. It has come that time that I. It is time to leave. <laughs> it's closing time. Because <laughs> I'm not trying to mix beer, champagne, and then vodka. No. <laughs> yeah, you're not asking for for a hangover. You know. That's yeah. not even a hangover. That's just an illness. And as you get older, they get worse and worse. Gatorade is your friend. <laughs> and you and you may retire, but those retirements will be like an MA retirement. They won't last. So so you're saying it's a Kevin Holland retirement? Yeah, I'm saying TJ Dillashaw. We, we have we have all said, we've all woken up one morning and go, I'm done drinking. Never drinking again. Yep, but six then it days, began. six days later. <laughs> Oh, I was going to say six hours later, but yes. <laughs> yeah, we've all been there. Yes, we have sir. all been there. But uh, but we appreciate everyone tuning in for this episode of the podcast. Of course, uh, if you're watching this on YouTube, um, like, comment, share, subscribe, all that. Appreciate it. If you listen to this on the podcasting platforms, rate, review. That truly does help us a lot as well. Coming up on Sunday's podcast, I'll be joined by Jonathan Pierce as we're going to talk about his victory there uh, against Darren Elkins at UFC Orlando. Also, I'm joined by the founder and CEO of Unified MMA, uh, Sonny Serene. Talked about uh, Unified MMA. They, of course, just had a show last weekend. They got uh, back-to-back shows coming up next week, so look forward to that on Sunday. Of course, we appreciate you tuning in for this episode of the MMA Report Podcast, which you get two times a week on your favorite podcasting platform and on YouTube.